0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fully Expressed podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka, and I am excited to bring you the following conversations with some of the most interesting people I have ever met. When I set out to start recording the Fully Expressed podcast, my intention was not to be the biggest, the most listened to, the most profitable podcast, but my intention was to be the most vulnerable podcast. And so as I interview our guests, my desire is to bring up stories and share experiences that they haven't shared before or they don't share regularly to let us into their world even deeper so that we may learn and grow from their stories. And so far, we've certainly done that. Please check out all the episodes we've recorded on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other platforms. And if you love this show, please leave us a review. Let me know. And also share this with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Lastly, if you want to support this show, please go over to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Training Camp for the Soul is my company where we do emotional healing, inner child work, and we teach people how to truly transform their lives. This show is completely funded by Training Camp for the Soul. So if you want to support me in the show, please go check out everything we have to offer over there. If you want to see the show notes and anything more about this podcast, go to chrismarhefka.com slash fully expressed. And then lastly, go over and follow me on the Instagram at chrismarhefka, where I share my own personal stories vulnerably, openly, and honestly. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a, another episode of the Fully Express podcast. I'm here with my brother, Monsell Denton. Thanks for being on.
1: Yeah, You're welcome, my friend. Thanks for being a quick four-minute walk and <laughs> a perfect serendipitous
0: podcast. Beautiful. Yeah, we were just talking before we pressed record on how lovely it is to be, uh, I don't know if central is the right word, that might be the right word, to like all of the things that we love doing and people we love. And so it's just walking distance away.
1: Yeah. I frequently tell people when they ask why I don't live in the country, given everything that I do, Mm -hmm. they're like, why why don't you live out in nature? I'm like, there's only one thing that I care about more than nature and that's people. Yeah. And yeah, being in downtown Austin Mm -hmm. gives us plenty of opportunities for people.
0: Yeah, I'm leaning into that at this moment right now as I'm making that decision whether to stay in this cool little bachelor pad that I have here in the middle of Austin or moving out on some land in the country. And no decisions yet.
1: Yeah, I think it's possible to do both. Yeah. Yeah, my -hmm. dream is have a little ADU Mm -hmm. apartment complex or like apartment above someone's garage Mm
0: -hmm. and then live out in the country most of the time. I love that. I love that. And I imagine I, w- I would love that, especially for like this season of life where I want both. And then as I get more hermit mode, I'll probably ease more out into the wilderness. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. I find myself single. So
2: <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I find myself single.
1: <laughs> so I will be in the city for some time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You want to talk about that first? <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So you currently find yourself single.
2: Oh, here I am. Here
3: you are, found.
0: <laughs> what are some of the lessons that you have personally gained in this time of being single? When I met you, you had a partner, and what's shifted for you in this time of single exploration?
1: <laughs> Definitely the first thing has been, or like the most potent thing has mm-hmm. been following what is true for me and what is the truest expression of what I want to create. I think that's kind of a fluffy word of saying like freedom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Freedom to be me. Yeah. And it wasn't that I I think when we're in relationships, sometimes at least for me, things can become a little bit clouded and stories Mm -hmm. can come up. And I definitely created stories around Mm -hmm. my previous partnership of when we were going to have kids, Mm -hmm. what our future was going to look like. And so I just had this painting that I was working on Mm -hmm. creating. Mm -hmm. So when that dissolved, there was a blank canvas
3: Mm -hmm. and I
1: got to repaint and double down on the things that made me, me. And that came with, I mean, literally a week after her and I broke up, I was doubling down on sacred hunting. That's where Mm -hmm. the term sacred hunting came from. That's where like all these stories Mm -hmm. that I couldn't do this professionally started to, die Mm -hmm. so I think for everybody but especially for men who are oriented towards a mission and a purpose it's Mm -hmm. super valuable to have that free space to figure out who the hell I am and Mm. that'll come in phases I'm sure I'll be in another relationship after feeling pretty solid in who I am and if that ends there'll be another phase of deepening in in relationship to who I am Mm. so I would say that's been the biggest up-leveling that yeah. an
0: opportunity. Yeah. I mean, we can always source energy. We can cultivate energy uh, naturally. And also, the where we direct it to, there's no argument that we are limited in that way and limited in our awareness until we develop the ability to, to cultivate and spread it better. But, uh, yeah, I find myself in that same thing. Even in this recent relationship I'm in, when I... Really committed and dove into it, I dove into it. And then, like a lot of the other things, like my business primarily, my health secondarily, and then just in general, my free time of just me, my solo time is what I would call it. It was backburnered for a while. So now I'm like in the reintegration phase where I'm learning how to integrate a relationship into the life that I desire. And Yeah. It's just like another level of learning. Cause similar to you, like in that last relationship with Bryn, I didn't know how to do that. And so it was like, okay, gotta be an all in this one or gotta be all in this. And I find that the masters who are doing it well and learning to do it well have been through these seasons where they've had to swing to the extremes. I talked to Stephanos a couple of weeks ago and we talked a lot about partnership and fatherhood and how just You can learn from the previous seasons and then, like, carry those into it. And just, like, learning the idea of, like, minimum viable energy in, like, all the other things while you focus on one.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Now that you say that, for one, I realize I have the opposite Mm -hmm. side of the spectrum to integrate because for the past couple months, I've dealt with my own health related stuff with mold and not having a stable place to live in and things like that. And what has fallen completely by the wayside is dating. Mm, It literally mm -hmm. doesn't even occur to me to think about it. I'm I'm just thinking mission, self-care, try and and find Mm -hmm. some kind of stability in my house. And I can see how it would be super valuable for me to learn how to integrate a relationship with another human being mm-hmm. in a more intimate way where I'm not so completely obsessed mm-hmm. with what I'm creating. And by the same token, I realized that these cycles are necessary because I got a little too sucked into my relationship mm-hmm. in the previous one, similar to what you were expressing mm-hmm. where I, kind of lost, lost what my yourself. mission was mm-hmm. and what my purpose was. So I yeah, appreciate that
0: yeah. reflection. You just mentioned some of the health and the mold. I mean, that's a common thing. I mean, a lot of our friends have shared about, and I did a whole podcast with Mike Dillard. I didn't expect it to go this direction, but he talked a lot about his mold story, which was on the extreme side. But what did you learn in this? What are you learning in this period of boom, wake up, call, mm-hmm. I got mold, having issues.
1: Yeah, it's an extreme level of vulnerability. And in some ways, there's kind of some parallels that my spiritual teacher has brought up for me in my experience in prison. And again, going back to these cycles of life, it's not like we have this linear growth Mm -hmm. trajectory in life we kind of a lot of the indigenous people believe we kind of would go in cycles and we'd come up and then we'd kind of come down again but we go up higher Mm -hmm. and down a little Mm -hmm. bit you know a little bit higher and in this cycle mold it's stripping me of a lot of control Mm -hmm. same as prison Mm -hmm. so I don't really have control of my living environment it's stripping me a lot of my possessions so I've Mm -hmm. had to throw away almost all of my belongings Mm -hmm. because of the mold and that comes with a certain level of humility. It requires of me a certain level of trust and faith. Mm. And so it's asking me for that. And it also is asking me to deepen my relationship with my own sovereignty and agency. Because in prison, I had this experience where first half and the second half were polar opposites. The second half of prison was just like, I surrender, I'm taking full responsibility for the things that I can control, Mm. which is my mental state, which is my habits and behaviors and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel this coming back to me in this cycle. One thing I'm really grateful for is my intuition Mm -hmm. because for anyone who knows anything about mold, it is nearly impossible to get it accurate Mm -hmm. from the current technology that we have. So any kind of tests, any kind of experts, Mm -hmm. it's like a crapshoot right so i have to have a really deep level of trust and check in with my own intuition around what is causing me distress whether it's a new home you know mm-hmm. that i might consider renting or buying or whether it's going into a space someone else's space and like how it's making me feel and there's a part of me for a long time that still clung on to some kind of materialist worldview where mm. I really wanted to have some scientific data. I mm. wanted some kind of verification. And this is, has been an invitation into trust yourself. Mm. And that's been really, really powerful to have clear yeses from my mind mm-hmm. and have my body just be a no and mm. me to choose
0: my body, yeah, an intuition. Over Even in the mind. face of like the mind's like, "Oh, this is perfect," yeah. and the body's like, "No." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was sitting around the table at dinner a couple of nights ago, and four out of the twelve people had really severe mold issues and health issues, and they talked about it like this new, like, sensitive superpower they just carry with them all the time now. And I'm, I'm like, I don't I think I have that in a subtle way, but without going through like the full blown experience, like it's hard to r- really know the level of sensitivity because your body's gone through the darkness of it. And then now it knows it as like a signal for like, let's not be here.
1: Yeah. And there's whole components of like harmony with nature that have come up around. Mm. I met one acquaintance at a coffee shop and she said, Oh, you've got mold. That is a dark entity. And as to me, that doesn't resonate at all. Mm-hmm. No. You know, the whole fungal mm-hmm. family is incredibly valuable, such a crucial part of our world, and I'm so grateful for everything that the fungal community does, decomposing all these mm-hmm. things that we can't do anything with. And in a recent ayahuasca journey, I just had this whole experience where I was reconnecting with all the fungi (laughs) and I just had an image of me kind of showing the mold out of my body like Mm. hey no judgment you do great work I would love if you could find something that's actually dying not me yeah
0: to decompose I love that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah like redirecting their energy (laughs) yeah
1: like I have compassion but Please stop decomposing me.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that. Oh, man. I was just uh, talking with another friend of ours, uh, Daniel Duran. We just did a podcast and he was talking a lot about the way that medicine works and like how you can integrate with nature on a much, much, much deeper level. What are some of your experiences with plant medicine? And it's how it's shifted your relationship to nature. Itself, because I know you're very in tune with that on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, I would say plant medicine has been, alongside hunting, has been the practice that has by far brought me the closest to nature. And I think some of it is the felt sense of interconnectedness that most people experience. It's one thing to intellectually know it it's another thing to feel connected to it and that's been obviously very profound i get the sense these plant medicines oftentimes they'll amplify what already exists and i have i'm a manifesting generator you know me like if something occurs to me to do or to create i tend to be pretty motivated to do that Mm -hmm. what ayahuasca does is it ayahuasca or most plant medicines is they allow me to check into my intuition to see what is the source of that desire to Mm -hmm. create it. Where's it
0: it coming from? Where is it coming from
1: Mm -hmm. and confirm or deny. Mm -hmm. And I've had plenty of times where I thought I was going one way
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and even recently in the most recent experience that I had and I got a very clear different message.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think it just allows me to really connect to who I am more, mm-hmm. and I think universally, given how disconnected many people are compared to mm, yeah. our ancestors, it's a uh, kind of just table stakes for allowing us to check into ourselves. And that's not to say we can't do it otherwise, yeah. But it's a more readily available way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it feels like a really solid tool to break through like modern programming. And get back to that ancient wisdom just like that. In addition to like these practices, like that practice you just talked about, you talked about hunting. And I know that's what a lot of people know you as, sacred hunting guy. Yeah. What's your story of getting into it? What drew you to this world? When I look back, what drew me
1: to hunting was trying to create for myself a meaning around masculinity. Mm -hmm. I grew up, My father was present, but emotionally wasn't present. And I just kind of had a hole around what it meant to be a man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mentioned going to prison and getting arrested and some of the realizations that came with that. But almost all of those experiences in my life were related to defining masculinity in a way, specifically around women. Mm -hmm. So, I realize what it's not (laughs) (laughs) very hard lessons of what masculinity is not. Mm -hmm. And then I start to explore things. At the time I had no idea that it had anything to do with masculinity. Mm -hmm. It was again, just what is calling me. Mm -hmm. Jiu-jitsu called me for a season of life or did it for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then hunting was calling me Mm -hmm. and I went to that and these were practices that there's somewhere in our DNA as men, this like combative fighter mm-hmm. kind of component.
0: Yeah, the warrior. The archetype, warrior. Yeah,
1: And also, for sure, hunter archetypes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the killer, the provider, mm-hmm. all these things. And that's what drew me to the practice. I didn't have the words for it then, mm-hmm. but it was clear that's what I was seeking to fulfill in myself and mm-hmm. to more than just reading a book like The Way of the Superior Man, which yeah. is a fantastic yeah. book, but it's different to embody masculinity through specific practices than to read about it. And it's also different to lead it, which is, you know, why I'm so grateful for the work that I do now, because it's a whole nother level of mm-hmm.
0: stepping into masculinity. Yeah. What are some of the things that happen? For you, when you started to lead these experiences for other men?
1: For one, I learned how to hold space so much better. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to, I'm a planner and I can organize things and I can set everything up the way that it, you know, it needs to look. So it's like minute by minute schedule. And none of that matters when you're hunting. Because you remember, we went yeah. to Colorado and You take a shot on an animal and Mm -hmm. now you got to chase it and now it's dark and Mm -hmm. now it's like you're running through, going Mm -hmm. on other properties and trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what the heck is going to happen. And as I'm holding space for that, Mm -hmm. that was a perfect example. We wounded an animal. Yeah. And so now I have to, how do I hold space in a way that, okay, the whole schedule or itinerary is out the window. Mm -hmm. But now there's something that's alive mm-hmm. and how do I create the space for this aliveness mm-hmm. to come forth and not only come forth so that people can express it, but come forth so that it can create the maximum amount of transformation. Yeah. And I'm getting goosebumps just talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Because it requires certain level of space holding, sure, but also being able to go with the flow. There's like a dance between masculine mm-hmm. and feminine in myself to yeah. be able to hold space in mm-hmm. that kind of chaotic situation. Yeah. 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 That's one of the most present for me. Yeah. Another has been seeing all of these experiences and the people and the experiences that people have as coming with a certain level of perfection, Mm. regardless of the outcome. And. Having faith that there's lessons and kind of stepping into the role of how do I invite people to see and to create meaning mm-hmm. for themselves mm-hmm. so that they may grow and transform
3: mm-hmm.
1: instead of projecting my disappointment yeah you know, any of that onto the situation, mm-hmm. which will be super powerful for kids. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so powerful.
1: But, you know, the last hunt that I was on, someone, he killed a male. Uh-huh. And he was trying to mentally navigate yeah. the experience of having done something quote unquote wrong because we were, yeah. you know, hunting for females. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that he was having a hard time with it. And so I kind of invited him into what does it look like to take full responsibility for mm-hmm. this situation? And if you're taking full responsibility, how empowering. Mm-hmm. do you feel mm-hmm. how is this a reflection of your life because he had shared a bunch of stuff that was like directly yeah like how he showed up in mm-hmm. that hunt and then we got to use that for the whole group and like mm-hmm. how have each one of us myself included not been taking responsibility mm-hmm. in our life so just seeing everything yeah. that happens in that microcosm yeah as perfect hmm and man, if I could treat everything that happened in my life like that, I know, right? it'd be a superpower. Yeah. God's granted me the superpower <laughs> to see that in the context of hunting. Right, But in that space, mm-hmm. it's been beautiful to do that. Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, you're incredibly humble in that, but I have actually witnessed you since you stepped into leading hunting experiences shift so much of who you are in your daily life as a person. So it's soaking in, it's sinking in whether you acknowledge it or not. And yeah. uh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome.
1: Hard to see. It's like the mirror. You know, yeah. I look myself in the mirror every day. Uh-huh. The reflections from others are as such. Yes. And that's one of the beautiful things about having friends who feel comfortable in providing that affirmation because I can see progression that I'm making that I don't always recognize for myself. Right. But absolutely, like I said, What an incredible gift to be able to lead men Mm -hmm. because we go through some gnarly stuff. You know, that's the other thing is the situations that I facilitate. It's one thing to facilitate like psychic, psychological opening and the vulnerability Mm -hmm. in other people that comes with that. Mm -hmm. It's another thing completely to not only hold the space for that through the use of plant medicines and things like that. But also hold the space with literal weapons mm-hmm. that can kill us yeah. and literally life and death or suffering mm-hmm. for an animal. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better term, it's just intense. and mm-hmm. It's really big energy. Mm-hmm. And it calls forth the most in me yeah. to be able to
0: consistently mm-hmm. hold space for that. Mm. and. Do you find yourself, after holding that space, do you find yourself drained, needing recharging solo time? Or you does it fill you up, energize you? Could you do it all day, every day? I've
1: experienced both? a transition. For a while, it was very draining. Mm-hmm. Draining to the point where, at the end, I would want to get home, and I would want to have my own space and not talk with anybody, not, nothing. And... I imagine part of that was, one, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Mm. Two, if I'm an artist in anything, I'm an artist of experience. Mm. And when it doesn't look right or something doesn't happen, no matter what everybody else says, I can see things like aren't going right and they, they bug me, they irritate mm-hmm. me. And then there was also a certain level, I mean, I think it all boils down to confidence, but there was also a certain level of, I have started to facilitate for people who maybe five, six years ago, I literally thought were untouchable, Mm -hmm. you know, like celebrities (laughs) and things like that. Yeah. And that's another thing that's really helped for me has just been, can you facilitate for your idols? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I've been able to do that, the universe is like, I think in those instances Mm -hmm. is to trying to show me a mirror that this is your gift.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: It is not, it is my gift. Mm -hmm. It is not my gift because I'm so special. It's my gift because it was granted to me for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I can step into that with complete confidence. And that's more of the way that I feel in the situations now when someone says, hey, spur of the moment, can you facilitate this? There's just a knowingness yeah. that like, I got this yeah. because mm-hmm. in this very small intersection of spirituality and hunting and indigenous ways of being, I'm one of the best in the world. Mm. And it's a micro, micro niche, yeah. but that just confidence mm.
0: has been very rewarding to have through that experience. Mm-hmm. I got the gift of that. I didn't even know it, of doing it without knowing who I was facilitating this one time. And I found out later that they were the co-founders of one of the largest, a very large personal development company. And it was like, I found out after I was just doing my thing. And that was the moment where I really shifted into world-class at what I do in my mind, in my own confidence in my abilities. Yeah. And that was where it shifted for me. And I got the gift of not knowing it. (laughs) Yeah. It's beautiful too. Yeah.
1: And... I will not create any kind of like false modesty. Mm-hmm. Definitely great at what I do. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of confidence that is required to make the experiences even better.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: More transformative. Yeah. So if I can fully accept and embrace my gifts, then I can just come at service with mm-hmm. more confidence. Mm-hmm. If I can come at service with more confidence then I can serve much better.
0: For sure. And I find that there's like really clear, direct correlation there's been for me with when I am, say I'm putting on a retreat, it's five days. And if I'm fully there for as many moments as possible during those five days, I grow like 10 years as a facilitator. But if I'm like not dealing with my own shit and I'm like kind of checked out during the session or not listening... I don't have the same experience. It's like, oh, that was good. And like everyone got a good experience, but I didn't grow as much. And so I have like really shifted my mentality in, because before it was like, I, I was in a similar place where it was like, I have to do this thing for these people. And then something changed where I just became this like really deeply present observer to the point to where like I could do it all day. It lit me up. And I was noticing like the subtlest things, like even how I position my body when I'm facilitating and the energetic exchange that was happening, things I'd never noticed before. And like, those were the things that took me from just this average, like holding a container to yes, world-class. And I see that for you as well, your ability, especially in those environments to be acutely present to all the moments of opportunity for yourself and for others. And going back to that experience in Colorado, that was a growth for me personally. Uh, A lot of life lessons came through for me and that growth for me as a hunter, but also it was a growth for me as a facilitator, watching how you held that space that night. Because every single person was dealing with it in their own way. And you could almost feel it in the house when we got back. And basically the, the situation was is like I was actually the one that wounded that. You know that, but the listeners don't. And it was like this quick instantaneous moment where we were out of a Jeep and freehanding a shot that I probably would have taken again, but I would have taken three more breaths before I took it. And if the shot was still there, I would have taken it. Instead, it was rushed, which was the big life lesson for me in that. And I shared that at the dinner table when you stopped everyone and from just like moving on with The trip, you stopped everyone and you created this container for like, let's learn in this moment. And we all shared a little bit and I was processing it. I was mentally processing. I was replaying it. I was going off on my own solo, but what I really needed to do was be vulnerable in that experience of all those men and you opened the container for that. And not only did you do that, but you even shared, this is what I'm going to do to honor the animal and anyone can join me or do the thing that calls you. And I think that that was a lesson for all what eight of us at the table that night. And I think that there's, in a really subtle way, I think we can find moments like that in our everyday. They don't have to be as these like extreme, life or death or wounding. And we don't have to wait for these catastrophic experiences. Like we can, when we're present, we can notice those subtleties. see the opportunity in it for us and then just like take that little golden nugget out and and carry it with us. Unfortunately, I I still sometimes wait for the catastrophic events because that's a lesson. I mean, we've sat together in in many experiences and like, that's been my lesson every time, like slow the fuck down, like slow the fuck down. And admittedly still come after that trip and it's still come to me. And yeah, but I, I just wanted to share that because I see this gift. In the fact that we're doing it together as a group, like we all have this opportunity to learn from each other's mistakes and also wins and growth. And we don't have to wait. This is my new path is what I'm trying to teach and talk about for myself and for others is that we can learn in a gentle way and we don't have to seek the pain all the time. We don't have to seek the deepest, most painful lessons. How can we learn sooner? How can we learn gentler? How can we accept that every moment is an opportunity.
1: Yeah. First of all, I appreciate you reflecting on that. And I could feel myself tearing up just even being in that Mm. moment again. And that's one of the reasons why it's so powerful to me because we're going to learn the lesson so much more thoroughly in that space It's
0: visceral. It is.
1: And that's very much been a part of the mold saga Mm. that I found myself in is how can I learn and feel the faith and all of the lessons and wisdom come through without all the struggle and pain that I had when I was in prison Mm. and just allow it to be easy and allow Mm. it to kind of come to me and even down to the little things of I spent six weeks just bouncing around from friend's place to friend's place. Mm -hmm. Well. They're some of my closest friends. I got to spend a Mm -hmm. lot of intimate time with some of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. I got to lean on them and ask them for help.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I got
1: to give them an opportunity to help someone. Mm -hmm. And that's also one of the things that has given me a big shift in my facilitation lately and why it's not draining anymore. Mm -hmm. Because when I can be fully in a place of service and I'm out in the hill country and I'm spending time outside, it doesn't even occur to me to think about I don't have a home, I'm sick, all these things. Yeah. And so I very much appreciate that path of learning and the masochistic side of me that loves deep, dark, and dirty. But (laughs) but I will take plenty of lessons from the joy and lightness too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let it be easy unless Mm -hmm. it's not and then let it be hard. (laughs) That's
0: fun too. We've casually skipped over it probably three, four, maybe five times, but I want to circle back to this. Some of the listeners that don't know you're probably like, who the fuck is this guy? Because knowing the man, I know now, it feels so silly to me that you were ever in prison. <laughs> I mean, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. I have a ridiculous we, we risk be, threshold. Yeah, I know. I know. I was, yeah. I was like, we all could be uh, this fine line here, but clearly you talk about it often you talk about it openly you have on this podcast i mean of a, a pivotal time in your life as i imagine it would be for a lot of people what do you want to share about that time of being in prison and then coming out and being a felon i mean do you still feel like that weight of that and i i think 100 yeah i
1: think you do yeah yeah i feel the weight still to this day and strangely it's one of the things that I have the most empathy for.
0: Mm.
1: I have I think the last time I saw you I had a place that I was trying mm-hmm. to rent Yes, and I was just fully transparent with them yeah. around everything including this is what's going to show up on a background check mm-hmm. and this is what I learned and this is how I've changed mm-hmm. and everything and the guy like responded that he wanted to get on a phone call the next day and then he ghosted mm. and I just have empathy because you know these so many people who see it, and there's so many different options. And Mm -hmm. if they don't have the connection with me, then of course they're just gonna be like uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's how it is.
0: So many millions of people in that situation, like checking a box and then being limited in jobs, renting, all these things. That yeah, I mean, I take for granted. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and honestly. Even I take for granted the fact that it doesn't bother me. Right. And the fact that I know I will always find a way. And Mm -hmm. I just have this kind of indomitable will when it comes to in these kind of conscientious circles, especially in the work that you do. We all learn about the stories that we create and how we can create a reality and things. And then there are people who are felons who send me something in their DM and there's like, you're such an inspiration Mm -hmm. of what you've been able to create after having been through that. Mm -hmm. So even in you just saying that I'm reminded of a certain responsibility Mm -hmm. that I have because there's a lot of men, primarily men, but men and women who are in very tough situations as a result. Mm -hmm. I don't find myself to be in that tough of a situation really. Yeah. I think I often say prison was the best thing that ever happened to me, mm-hmm. and I'll try and share what happened from a place primarily oriented towards what where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. I went to prison because I was stealing historical documents, and I was stealing them so I could sell them so that I could go be with a woman in Europe. Mm-hmm. And what was coming up for me that led me to that, which I didn't learn until much much later. But all the way throughout high school, I was a virgin. I had this story that to be a man, you Mm -hmm. have to connect with women sexually. I had stories about my race in an all-white neighborhood that had me really just feeling inferior and Mm -hmm. putting Anglo-white women on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And in all of this, what we could consider not good enough, I decided I was just going to do something immoral Mm -hmm. to go try and meet this need of feeling loved. Mm -hmm. And once I came into an awareness of all of that, I could actually forgive myself for all of that and just see the little hurt boy that was trying to get his needs met. Mm -hmm. Not to say that what I did wasn't wrong and that the victims Mm -hmm. might not still be going through their own challenges with it. But did that when I was 18, 19, got arrested Took about four years and then I went to prison. Mm -hmm. And in prison, like I said earlier, two very distinct parts of my experience. And what I loved about prison was that in a scientific experiment, you want to have a control. You want to have variables the same Mm -hmm. so that you can test whatever you want to test. Inadvertently, prison gave me an opportunity. With all the variables the same. No control, no power, no possessions, same environment, same people around me, everything the same. But I had two completely different experiences. Mm. One was resisting. I was eating any kind of sweets that I could to have pleasant feelings. I was watching movies to literally try and kill time, count down the days. It was yeah. just
3: yeah, resistant. Right.
1: The second half... Surrender. Mm. This is where I am. I had a rock bottom moment in there. Plenty of tears and things like that. But surrender. This is where I am. I'm going to use my time Mm. wisely. Read tons of books. Worked out. I did like fasting practices. I ate as well as I could. Didn't eat sweets. Didn't really watch TV. Just read and everything. So I just have this experience of night and day Taking responsibility for myself, sovereignty mm-hmm. and agency, and I also have the other experience of struggle and resistance mm-hmm. and not
0: surrendering yeah, was there any catalyst for that? You said there was a dark moment talk about that if you want, but really what was the thing that came through that had the shift like was
1: some of it was external, so all at basically one time I think this all happened either one day or maybe within a couple days. Basically, I had my lawyer tell me that for a while he had expected me to be released at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then he told me, actually, we don't know when you're going to get out. Mm-hmm. Then my family told me my grandfather was likely going to die of prostate cancer before I could get out to see him. And my younger sisters were too Young for my parents to really like explain, or I think they also just had shame around explaining to my sisters that I went to prison. Mm -hmm. So they knew Monsel went away for a long time, and something wasn't right or good, but they didn't know what. Right, and there was some deep sense of sadness around that. Yeah, and all of those combined, and I just remember laying on my bunk, and I just put my blanket over my head because. Don't really let people see you crying all that much in prison.: yeah. I'm fully expressed out here, but in prison it's another ball game. And this guy next to me, just a moment of humanity, mm-hmm. this guy who was in prison his name was St. Louis. or his nickname was St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He was a pimp. Yeah, he ran girls. Mm-hmm. And he was on pimping charges, whatever the yeah. solic- solicitation <laughs> yeah. whatever the official term is. And gun charges, mm. and he just pats my shoulder and says, Head up, head up. Mm. And there was something about, Well, we don't know when you're gonna get out that allowed me to paradoxically like mm. breathe. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't have to count anymore. Right. Cause I don't fucking know. No yeah. one does. So I surrender. Mm-hmm. This is my home now. Mm. And again, To bring it to the mold now a theme has been how do i find home in myself Mm. how do i find home in myself in prison Mm -hmm. how do i find home in myself now how do i always have a strong sense of home Mm -hmm. in myself regardless of the circumstances and from that place be able to create get the job done whatever Mm -hmm. the case is and i'm always exceedingly more effective when I'm full first mm-hmm. and then
0: I'm kinda of going out in the external world. Yeah. And I can fill myself up. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing lessons. And it applies to any situation in life, really. It's like when we make that choice to stop the resisting, the counting down. It's just like what came to me as you were sharing that is like that's literally people's life. So many people's life is just counting down. Yeah. Counting down the hours in work counting down the days till something happens and they this, then counting down the days till they die. And it's just like in that moment, I had like a lot of empathy for humanity in the prison of our own making. Totally. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not out of it.
0: Yeah. Totally either. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I really felt that just now. I was like, wow, I'll just live in this prison to accept it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's amazing to hear some of the people who have been to prison and they become public speakers mm, and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, even Nelson Mandela, Malcolm mm-hmm. sure. I mean, sure. some amazing people have spent time in prison mm-hmm. and they talk about the prison that many people find themselves in, in their own mind. Mm. But yeah, for Nelson Mandela to come out and do what he did after that sure. many years of being falsely mm-hmm. imprisoned and brutalized, it's a powerful rite of passage. Yeah, Aboriginal-wise person, Tyson Yunkaporta, he talks about how in Aboriginal Australian culture, rites of passage have been huge parts of their mm-hmm. culture, as with any Indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. And because of colonialism, they're so inundated with alcoholism and things like that, he kind of non-judgmentally says the rite of passage for Aboriginal men's going to prison.
0: Whoa, really? What, if anything, do you say is our modern rites of passage, especially for our men?
1: I wouldn't have said this a few years ago, but growing in, and I think there's plenty that's unhealthy with it, but growing in friendship with our mutual friend Jordan Bowditch, Mm -hmm. I've started to see how the fraternity world Mm -hmm. provides some Mm -hmm. rites of passage. Yeah. Yeah in some of the difficulty and some of the camaraderie Mm -hmm. and brotherhood and some of the service and sacrifice Mm -hmm. and things like that. I think there's a lot that's very, very unconscious and and unhealthy with it in my experience, but it's at least a type of rite of passage, right? which is, it's imperfect like our society.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I've, thought a lot about that. I was in a fraternity as well and spent four years in that life. And so even the president of my fraternity, I was like, Mr. Fred guy. And I had a lot of reflection on that because like many areas of my life, when I went through a healing period, I rejected a lot of those parts because I was only seeing like, these are the mistakes that I made. This was the problem with it. But I've really come back to a lot of that time in my life and had a lot of gratitude for it, for what it was teaching me before i knew it was teaching me and yeah i mean i think that a lot of the problems that our modern men face whether they be in college fraternities or in the workplace or in toxic unhealthy abusive relationships or in power dynamics that cause harm to others all largely men are the are the causes of that and a lot of the things that are missing are developmental learnings that they didn't get when they were zero to 12 years old. And what's playing out is that they now have enough physical power to assert themselves in a way where they didn't feel like they could when they were that young and that weak. And so it's almost like because we don't have these transitions, these periods where boys become men, these rites of passage, I see. So many little boys just trying to find their way in adult bodies—in twenty-year-old bodies, thirty-year-old bodies, four-year-old bodies—and bodies. that's why I love the idea of hard things for boys, especially. And I've tried to—I don't have kids myself, and I know you don't—but I've tried to start practicing with my friends' friends, and my both my sisters have two boys, so I have four nephews and. In a way, like I want to be this uncle that teaches them how to be a man in a healthy way, and it feels like right now a training ground for when I do have kids, and I catch myself doing some of the things that I would have resented as like an eight-year-old boy, and like I'm even doing it unconsciously. I'm like, "Oh, like this is where the training ground is. I'm like, "This is why I don't have boys yet. I'm oh, like, "This is why I don't have kids yet." It's like, "Oh, I've got work to do." And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just got back from the holidays with them and I spent a lot of time with them and even played chess with them, the nine-year-old especially. And I didn't let him win. I didn't let him win one time and he was getting frustrated and we talked it through and I was like, what are you feeling? And okay, like, what did you learn from that? And we like had that dialogue and that was like such a proud moment for me as an uncle. Yeah. Put him through a challenge where it was clear like he wasn't used to losing at things. Yeah. It's interesting
1: that you mentioned that as an uncle because I do believe rites of passage are super, super valuable, especially challenging ones for younger or transitioning males. What I think has been even more important for me and is definitely the way in which boys were raised in indigenous Mm -hmm. cultures is adult mentors, Mm -hmm. Mm non-parental Uncle mm-hmm. is in many cultures. It's actually the term they use to describe any other man that's yes. not the father. <laughs> yes, uh huh. And that's where they learn. Is they learn from these other men. They learn. You know, I think it was John Wyland who mm-hmm. said that men and the masculine learn through osmosis, through mm-hmm. proximity mm-hmm. to other men. Mm-hmm. And I have been more than. Well, maybe not more than prison, but it's really easy to see these heightened experiences as being transformative, but they're only as good as the support on either end. Mm -hmm. And I have always in my adult life, since before I even went to prison, had an adult mentor. Mm -hmm. My spiritual teacher, Will Tagle. He's Mm eighty one years old. He's one of the wisest men I know. He's always been a North star where Mm. I go out and do my thing and mess up and have some questions and come back and then get some context and go back out and do it and come back and go back Mm. out and do it. And that level of guidance Mm -hmm. consistently,
0: I think that is what Mm. males are missing. How do men go about finding those mentors, asking those mentors?
1: Well, there's the way in which I imagine it's done in an unhealthy way. I think most men look to celebrities mm-hmm. and that's yeah. become the kind of de facto mentors mm-hmm. at, a, at a distance. I would say if you're doing this conscientiously, put yourself in a position where you feel, and that's, I think the most important thing is like the feeling of being in the space of it's a kind of a, an elder energy. Mm-hmm. And elder energy comes with, it's a very unique flavor. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. experienced it yourself. There are people who are, I don't want to say ahead, but let's say as far as like hierarchy and status, they're, you know, maybe five, 10 years older, mm-hmm. they're more successful, they're all these things. And there's a certain level oftentimes of aloofness mm-hmm. that comes with those kinds yeah. of people. Those aren't the mentors. Yeah. The mentors are the ones who they are, like, fully embodied, Mm -hmm. and when you connect with them, I have felt with my mentor, like, this guy is clearly light years ahead, Mm -hmm. and yet he shows up in the relationship knowing that he can learn from me. Mm. And I feel that he experiences that, and... At some level, I think that speaks more to their humility than anything, Mm -hmm. but it's a very kind of dynamic, fluid relationship Mm -hmm. that will show up organically. And so my gut or my invitation is to trust your gut and trust your intuition Mm -hmm. when you meet someone. And there's only been, I'd say like three people, Mm -hmm. three older, elder males that I've spoken to, maybe four, Mm -hmm. that... I speak with them and I connect with them and I'm like instantly like, yes, this guy's got it. Yes. And I'm saying yes to this. Yeah. And many of our friends are great examples. Paul check. Many, Mm -hmm. many of our friends consider Paul check to be a wise elder that Mm -hmm.
0: they Mm -hmm. have that experience with. Yeah. I think that a lot of men don't make it to that stage in this lifetime. I mean, like Allison Armstrong's work talks about the development of men and like that stage as the elder and they, they have to go through and embody all the other stages previously. And then almost like make the choice to be an elder. Cause there is some sense of like stepping off of the throne as King into a different role and who wants to step off the throne as King. And I guess they just reach that point of true humility where they realize they can also learn from you and they can share the wisdom from a place of service instead of from the place of like ruling in a way and I I probably just butchered the hell out of Alison Armstrong's work but it's
1: (laughs) regardless you I think did a great job of delineating between those two archetypes that I mentioned yeah yeah the first one was the the king king. yeah sure Mm -hmm. and the second one was definitely this like wise elder Mm -hmm. council
0: yeah Mm -hmm. who has gone through all those cycles gone through all those challenges had the learnings had the development and is willing to then be of service in that way. Have you read her work? Also? I haven't. No. Love it. Love it. Especially the amazing development of men. It's, I recommend it to really anyone who's raising boys, but also it was helpful in me and my journey. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. And also I can feel as soon as you said it, uh-huh. it's like the part of me that wants to perfect my work is like, oh,
3: must learn the things
0: to yeah.
1: facilitate, which I'm sure it would be helpful.
0: Yeah, for sure. And for me, it was actually really uh, forgiving as. You know, my pattern of wanting to go so fast and blast through life and phases. And it was a really forgiving stage when I read it, understanding like the frameworks of the archetypes of prints, the way she describes it, middle prints and early prints and late prints. And it gave me a lot of forgiveness to like how I was being, knowing where I was at and in the stage of very predictable development. And also realizing I was like, oh, I'm going through this earlier than most because my, 10 years post-college, I think I lived at least two to three decades in because I was like going so hard, basically. I was like forcing my way through lessons in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that time, too, even though it's probably in those 10 years, probably slept as much as one year's worth.
1: <laughs> it's funny how for both of us, but I definitely remember for you when I first met you you were still with Bryn. Yeah. I imagine at the tail end of mm-hmm. that phase of your life. Mm-hmm. And you had a clean cut haircut. Your beard was all trimmed. And now you're
0: just like a little more like, oh,
1: my hair's going. My face hair is going. You know?
0: Yeah. It's funny. I just posted the other day. I shared a video. They did a, a summit with Mike Bledsoe, the Strong Coach thing. And it was almost exactly just actually two and a half years ago. And it was like after I had exited my old version of self. But as you could see, like the young, innocent version of me, like stepping into this new world. And like, I could just see it all in his face and his body. And like, there was like both excitement and fear and like, what is all this? And also just this little innocent boy that has just discovered the playground for the first time. It was really fun to watch. It was like a time capsule and that was only two years ago and some. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fun to see those or have those time capsules as a Uh reflection. Yeah. Of how far we've
0: come. Right. Yeah. Even though we had a very brief conversation, it's two and a half, three years in April. Yeah. The next April. And the way you have matured since that time, I tracked you from that moment forward because we resonated on a lot of things and we talked about hunting I was like really into it at the time and you had the documentary and so I was like following you and then once we got a lot closer and just tracking your maturity since even a year ago for both of us yeah I was a very different person a year ago
1: yeah you saw me do training camp for the soul like Mm -hmm. almost two years ago now and recently my former partner I remember this because I'm using it in some ad copy. She literally was like, you're clearly a man now. Mm. And there's a part of me in the relationship that definitely looked for the validation of yes, that. for sure. But it is different to not expect it, not even be thinking about it, and have that reflection over a couple-year period Yes, of how much I've grown, especially as witnessed by mm-hmm. the feminine. Mm-hmm. And forever grateful for those reflections Mm -hmm. because I think like all of us, I definitely have a critical voice Mm -hmm. and I can definitely focus on some of the imperfections Mm -hmm. in my habits and routines and ways of being, Yeah, but it allows me to see I'm on the right track Mm -hmm. to have those reflections. So
0: very grateful. There's something I want to share with you. I think this would be helpful for a lot of men, especially, and I still find myself in that validation seeking place, especially from my partner and women and one of the practices I've been doing recently has been very helpful for that and it's very simple. I actually got it from my friend Angelo Cisco, who's also a men's coach, and you know as well and it's a self validation practice every evening or self affirmation validation and what I do is when I sit down for dinner, I always do a little blessing and a, mostly of gratitude. And at dinner time, I share and acknowledge myself for at least three things that I'm like really proud of that I did that day, that I did really well, that I showed up really well, that I accomplished or I just showed up present for this conversation, whatever it may be. And what it's started to do is it's shifted that energy of like I want to be doing a good job to like I'm doing a good job. Now it's like doing a good job. And the more I do it, interestingly enough, the less I feel I need it, but the better it feels when I get it externally. And I think what the mechanism is for that, at least that I'm toying with, is that I'm already full and I can actually receive it in my heart when it comes rather than like filling this empty space that I'm trying to fill with external validation. And I've been sharing this practice with a lot of men cuz it's been really valuable at this stage in my life where I still found myself doing it a lot. Sounds like a great practice
1: and I 100% do it a lot when I'm in the world of dating. Yeah. And I imagine that's going to help me to actually find mm-hmm. my
0: partner. Mm-hmm.
1: Is to have that source coming from within. So. Yeah. Yeah, whether one whether one has a partner or not, I think it's a beautiful practice.
0: For sure. So, what's new upcoming? What are you excited about in the world?
1: One thing I'm excited about is doubling down on sacred hunting. I think the last time we saw each other, I was talking about all these land, Mm -hmm. cryptocurrency, project ideas, many of which I am still interested in, but I'm coming from a very different perspective. And it was very clear in my last ayahuasca experience that. I forget exactly what the line was, but it was like, nothing that you work on can remove your focus from this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I had a 48-year-old parent, former Israeli military guy, come on the hunt last and I made him carry the animal all the way off the mountain and he was exhausted. I have some beautiful pictures of him and he shared with me that day and then the next day on a call that, one, he, for the first time in his life, feels like a man at 48. Wow. And two, feels like a part of him that was empty, a part of his soul that was empty when his father died when he was seven was filled. Mm -hmm. And so that's bouncing around in my head Mm -hmm. when I go into ceremony and it's just very clear. This is the work you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. It might not be all glamorous and have all this impact and scalability Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, but focus on that gift. Yeah and so i'm really excited to build out have more experiences i have yeah more coming up next year that i'm just super excited about chasing siberian tigers in far east russia not to hunt but just to like to see to mm-hmm. be in the presence of that magnificent creature and then going to start stepping into doing some men's retreats. So inviting a lot of these men who already participated in a hunt to come back and reconnect to the brotherhood piece and a facilitator training. So really starting to open up like this is something that I want to spread Mm -hmm. and it won't just be through me. Yeah. It's going to be through helping guide facilitators who can Someone who's in California, who's a coach mm-hmm. already of men and they want to do these experiences to bring this specific kind of medicine. I want to help them
0: to do that. Beautiful. When are you going to be in Siberia chasing tigers? <laughs> March. Uh, March. I'll be there in June. I'm going to
1: go for a month. Yeah. Chasing tigers in mm. far East Russia. Mm. And then I'll be in Northern Siberia chasing reindeer. For the end of March and early
0: April. Awesome. I chose to go to Siberia in the summer. (laughs) Smart move. (laughs) Very smart. Love it. Love it. Awesome, brother. Well, I'm really excited to see that unfold because I know it will. And yeah, just really grateful for you in this world, in my life, and the work you're doing because a lot of mutual friends and mutual connections and referrals and I see so many men that I've worked with and I've connected with go through and experience a hunt with you. And it's, it's just universally impactful for men, uh, especially. And so thank you for continuing to double down on it, even when that urges to sometimes go and whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that reflection. And thank you for the support that you've provided for both facilitating and attending and, Yeah, it's beautiful to be witnessed by anyone, but even more valuable to be witnessed and reflected upon by someone with uh, the skills and uh, the way that you show up. So it means a lot.
0: Thank you. Receive, brother. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about Sacred Hunting, all these experiences and programs? SacredHunting.com. It's
1: the easiest. (laughs) And... If people feel like this resonates, they're not sure if they want to commit to the experience or whatever, I have a book. It's called Sacred Hunting and it's from, I'm biased, but from other people's accounts. <laughs> it's a very approachable read. Like it's mm. stories, it's parables, it's nothing but just like fun. Yeah. And it's a whatever you can pay a gift kind of model. So like Beautiful. if you want to say yes in a small way, sacredhuntingbook.com if you want to see what the experiences are like sacredhunting.com if you want to just see me produce I would say above average content on Instagram (laughs) then you can go to at Monsal M-A-N-S-A-L-D-E-N-T-O-N
0: well above average significantly above average (laughs) Uh, I attest to that I wrote a five star review over your content yeah (laughs) (laughs) love it and folks i highly highly recommend checking out the above average content at monsel denton on instagram and also highly recommend attending participating in a sacred hunting experience whether or not you have been hunting or completely new to it and just exploring the idea of it it's great for both i will say for myself i know i've shared this with you before is I had many hunting experiences previous to that. And I think I was always searching for more depth in hunting and I had it. I had some really deep experiences, especially when I was alone doing it. But the way that you facilitate and you guide the group through, it almost feels like a full like hero's journey in the experience. It's not just like we go out, we shoot animals. It's nothing at at all like that. And I think that's, I just want to share my own perspective and dispel that for a lot of people's maybe limitations on their thinking of hunting. It's so much, so much more than that. And I share all the time that in hunting when I've often, among other things, but some of the most connected times I felt the spirit and some of my first spiritual experiences were in nature or in hunting. And so, yeah, I highly, highly recommend you guys go on and experience. I know you're leading them all the time now. (laughs) Many options available, folks. Go check it out. And admittedly, I haven't read the book yet, but this is a great reminder to go on and support you in that way. So thank you for that. Awesome, folks. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Fully Expressed podcast. Thank you, Mansell, for being on today, for sharing so much wisdom, experience, and truly vulnerably. I really do appreciate that about you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, sometimes... Sometimes it doesn't feel that vulnerable because just mm-hmm. the way you are. That's just how I express myself. Yes. And then I judge myself and I'm not being vulnerable enough, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> <laughs> uh but I appreciate that reflection. And yeah, hopefully if anything I've said supports them on their journey, then mm. yeah,
0: oh, amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. And yeah, this podcast was about being fully expressed and I'm really only inviting people on that are that way, that like embodying that, full expression of vulnerability. And one of the questions that I often ask, I don't ask all the time, but what does vulnerability mean to you, Monsal?
1: To me, vulnerability is saying or showing up in such a way that it could be subject to attack or to judgment or to feeling unaffirmed. but having more desire to be authentic to oneself than the fear of any of those things. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That seems like poor English, but I think it works pretty well.
0: (laughs) So you tied it up, tied it up nicely. (laughs) I appreciate that brother. And you do that so well. So thank you. Thank you. And again, thank you all for listening as always. Please subscribe to the show. You love this episode. If you love Monsal, shoot him a DM. Slide in my DM. Slide in, slide on in there, folks. Share this episode. Thank you all always for being a listener of Fully Expressed and check out all of our episodes on all the platforms iTunes, Spotify, and all the things. Thank you all. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Fully Expressed podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this vulnerable conversation with our guest. And if you enjoy this show, please leave us a review. Share it with a friend, and let me know if this has impacted your life in any way. You can message me directly on Instagram at Chris Marhefka, and also if you want to support this show, the show is fully funded by my company, Training Camp for the Soul. Go over and check out TrainingCampForTheSoul.com, where you can find out about our online programs, in-person retreats, and lots of free offerings where we're helping people to transform their lives radically and permanently. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you so much for making this dream a reality.